All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Driving Theology. My name is Mike, and uh, I'm going to take you with me on a ride to work, as always. Uh, it is the third week of January. What day is today? That's actually a really good question. I have no idea. Hey, Siri, what's the date today? It's Wednesday, January 19th, 2022. Well, there you go. Good. January 19th. Um, <clears throat> in about two months, I'm supposed to be making a trip to the States uh, to visit my family. We'll see if that comes through. Uh, Omicron. The Omicron. What do you call it? Mutation of Corona is here in Japan now. It took a while to get here. Excuse me. It took a while to get here, but it's here now. And so we're kind of all bracing for more, you know, uh, protocols and, and uh, shutdowns and online classes and all that stuff. Whether or not that's gonna happen or not, I don't know. Uh, it's really anybody's guess. Uh, hopefully not. Hopefully it won't happen. Uh, but then again, hopefully Omicron won't uh, tear through this country like it has uh, America, for example. Um, yeah, things are still kind of topsy-turvy, but topsy-turvy is becoming right side up. Uh, right side up and right side forward does that make sense the right way forward I don't know I don't even know how to say that but anyway topsy-turvy is just kind of how we do life these days and uh, <clears throat> I suppose it could become normal at some point although I don't feel like it is yet I'm trying to think back if there were any any uh, invisible I don't mean non-existent but invisible threats uh, in the past that we all dealt with that kind of just changed the way we did life and really the only thing I can think of uh, is AIDS. AIDS um, was uh, discovered when I was a kid, I suppose late 70s, early 80s, uh, but the 80s were largely defined by this fear uh, of AIDS, and I guess another fear would be the Cold War. The problem is these things uh, weren't affecting anywhere near the numbers of people. Of course, the Cold War affected everybody only, uh, you know, mentally, uh, perhaps emotionally. Um, it was just kind of this, you know, this level of fear over our existence in the States, and probably Russia was quite similar. Um, and then AIDS was actually a sickness that did affect people, but, you know, I, I've never known anybody that I know of who had the HIV virus, uh, and especially no one who died from it, although there may be people I just don't know about. Um, so... <clears throat> Yeah, this is kind of, uh, in a sense, uncharted territory um, in that 
you know, it's a very real sickness that is spreading around the world and is taking lives. And, you know, we're not talking about uh, a few lives. We're talking about uh, millions of lives, right? Or I don't even know what the count is now. Uh, let's ask Siri. Hey, Siri, how many people have died worldwide from the coronavirus? Here's what I found. Well, I can't. If you don't tell me, it doesn't help me, Siri. Uh, anyway, Siri knows, but she's not telling. Um, you know, so it's just kind of changed the world we live in. There are some uh, upshots to that. New word I'm trying to use, upshot. Uh, one of the upshots is that we are more aware of our own mortality. Right? That we are finite beings. That, that there are things in the world that can come and, and take us. Uh, and and there it feels like there's not a lot we can do about it, right? Uh, and in that sense, maybe some of us will appreciate our lives better. Let me turn down this heater. I'm sorry, it's so loud. Uh, maybe some, some of us will appreciate our lives better and, and appreciate our loved ones more. Uh, and that, that's a, you know, that's the upside to any kind of, uh, uh, any kind of tragedy, obviously. Um, but, you know, we'll see. We won't know for years and years exactly what the uh, effect uh, Corona has had on our societies at large. Uh, but today, yeah, I, I'm thinking I'm going to go uh, a different direction with this talk. And, you know, maybe it'll tie in at the end. Maybe it won't. Uh, but this is something that came up on Facebook this morning, which I really, really appreciated. And darn it, now I got to remember exactly what it was. But I just remembered it. I really liked it, and it really, the way he had articulated it, spoke to me. And this was um, Bobby Valentine's post, I believe, this morning. Uh, something that he had said. Oh man, I'm going to lose it now. Well. Maybe I should cheat because I'm coming up to a stoplight. Oh, nope. Stoplight's green. Oh, I do have my phone. That's good. <coughs> well, uh, I'll make it ready. I'll check here in a minute if I get a chance. It should be right up on my Facebook. Bobby is a... Uh, I used to think he was an itinerant preacher. I don't. I think maybe he's found a home to, to preach now. But he's a a bit of a I guess what I would call a a bit of a rogue Church of Christ preacher. He's definitely not on the conservative side as far as Churches of Christ are concerned. And you know, Church of Christ can get really conservative, scary conservative. Uh, he may be, you know, moderate. I wouldn't also call him a liberal, but, you know. Um, so, well, the light didn't last long enough for me to, to check. 
but he, he, he posts a lot of stuff on Facebook. He really uses social media, uh, I think in a good way, because he, he, he doesn't do uh, super short, uh, snarky posts, uh, but he also doesn't do, uh, you know, super long posts, but he researches everything he does. see if his post comes up here. Hopefully it'll remind me of what I was wanting to talk about. <clears throat> Unfortunately, I don't think it's going to come up when I need it to. Yeah, this is, yeah, maybe it wasn't him that posted it that um, this is also good, but that's not what I was looking for. So I'm not going to cheat you by just going over there and doing that. Oh, man. It was about... Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So it wasn't Bobby. It was another guy. Um, I'm sure I'll talk about Bobby again, or I'm sure I have in the past. Uh, it was another guy who posted something, and, and his name... Yeah. Uh, yeah. His name will come to me. I don't know him as well. But he did post something that was really great. And and basically, it's the, this idea of, uh, you know, and I've been talking about this a lot. And the reason I talk about this so much is because I think it's foundational uh, to getting on a better road theologically, especially for people who have been raised in fundamentalism or fundamental slash evangelicalism. And that is the, the, the word word, right? The difference between the written uh, words of God and the word of God. Eh? The written words of God versus the word of God, the logos, the eternal logos. And, you know, I, I know I talk about this all the time. Uh, but man, I, I just feel like it's so foundational. <clears throat> and if you're still on the on the fence, maybe what I have to say today, the direction I'll take it today, just might be enough to finally get you to graduate from the Bible as the Word of God, <clears throat> the eternal Logos again, uh, to Jesus alone as the eternal Logos. And I think it's such a hugely important issue that I'm willing to repeat myself. Uh, I'll take that risk. Uh, but as usually happens, hopefully I'll get to a slightly different, um, uh, slightly different take or, you know, come up with another angle or, or, you know, maybe even get to someplace completely new. That's, that's possible as well. Uh, so, John says, uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word uh, was God, and the Word was with God, right? It basically says that everything was made through the Word, and then the Word became flesh. Okay, this is a paraphrasing of the first several verses of the book, the Gospel of John. <clears throat> in the beginning was the Word. The Word was God. The Word was with God. Nothing 
nothing that has been made, or basically everything that has been made was made by him and through him. And uh, if you look at other gospels, for him. Uh, and then it says, and then the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so the word became flesh. And of course, that's, that's Jesus, right? The word became flesh in the person of Jesus. Uh, that's all well and good. I don't think many Christians disagree with that. The problem is we have this theological idea that, that we have the living word, the living logos, and the written logos. Uh, and and I, I actually don't have a huge problem with that because uh, I, I think I, I have a slight problem with that, but not a huge problem with that. Uh, because I believe the Bible does point to the logos, that it is, it does contain information and inspiration uh, by the logos. Um, the problem is, the problem is, when parts of the written scripture do not gel with the person that we know the logos to be, as re- revealed in Jesus. Jesus is the final revelation of the Logos, right? He is the revelation of the Logos. And of course, the Logos, I talked about this last week, I think, the Logos has has transcended the body of Jesus. It's, it's ascended, it's gone on, it's become the Holy Spirit, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not now, possibly, right? This is, this is a, this is a weird thing. It, the Logos may not now be in the body of Jesus. I, I don't know that, right? Some people believe the body of Jesus uh, itself is physically eternal. And and there's there's some reason for that. And I've, I'm actually, I've been on that bandwagon. I, I, I like that line of thinking. But I'm not positive, right? Uh, because I think for the Logos to be universally uh, what it's meant to be, in all, in all, right? The all in all is what I'm trying to say, the all in all. I think for the Logos to be that, uh, to be contained bodily, uh, is restrictive. And of course, that's my human way of thinking, right? So that's why I'm not sure. I'm not sure about this. But I do know that uh, the Logos has transcended at least the normal human body. I'll put it that way. The Logos has transcended the normal human body. And so if Jesus is in bodily form still yet today, that body is, is amazing, right? It, it, is, it transcends space and time. Uh, and yeah. And of course, there's tons of metaphors in the Bible about body, right? The church is the body, the, the sacrament, you know, take, here, take my body and eat, right? Eat my body. Uh, body, body somehow is a big theme through Jesus's teaching uh, and, and through the epistles, right? Through the letters of the apostles uh, and disciples. So body is a theme that, that does continue and we're supposed to be, you know, but, but that's the thing, right? It's hard. It's difficult. It's, it's, it's abstract in a sense for us today. And I think one day it, it will be, uh, 
uh, real, right? It'll be less abstract. It'll be more more real than it is today. Uh, as soon as we receive our glorified bodies and and the veil is pulled from our eyes and we can say things, see things as they actually are. Um, <clears throat> all right, so let, let's get back to the uh, what I was talking about. So the problem is the written, what what many people call the written logos, which is from Genesis all the way through Revelation, 66 books <clears throat> written over 30 years by 40 some odd authors, right? Uh, what some people call the written logos, also known as the Bible, does not always reflect the person we find in Jesus. And Jesus, when he was on earth, he said, all authority has been given to me. Jesus is, has all authority, both in heaven and on earth. All right, So all authority has been handed to Jesus. Okay, so Jesus is the single authority right now. Okay? And there is some indication that he says, I will, you know, I will hand it back to my father. I will give it back to my father so that, so that, you know, I can be all in all or something like this. I'm not sure exactly what that means either. That's something I'd like to explore just as I'm saying it. Uh, I want to see how that's, how it's worded and how perhaps it's worded in the, in the original language just to see if I'm missing any nuance there. But, but right now it seems that Jesus has all authority on heaven in heaven and on earth, right? That that there is no other authority besides him. <clears throat> and if that's the case, then everything must defer to him. Anything that you think uh, could or might be true must first agree with Christ, right? Agree with Jesus. Because if it doesn't, if it doesn't, then uh, then we have to defer to Christ, right? So anything that, that the Old Testament says, and, and what I was listening to yesterday is, is um, I think I was listening to it. It was a, oh, it was a book. It was a book by Brad Jerzak, uh, A More Christ-Like Word. <clears throat> That's what it was. That's what I was listening to. I only listened to it for about 10 minutes, but it had this great stuff in it and inspired me to talk about it today. So that's what it was. So what most people do, and part of it's because the Bible is so tangible, right? It's it's there in black and white. We can read it. We can study it. We can pour over it. Uh, and and it's 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 a, a closed book in so many ways, right? The Bible itself. Uh, that most people when they come up with an issue instead of instead of comparing that to the eternal word who is Christ who has all authority they compare it to the bible now the problem with that is not even all the bible gels with Jesus right and in fact Jesus on occasion was known to correct the scriptures he was known to correct it Right? And I've talked about this before. Uh, he says uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, you have, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, which is right out of the Old Testament, right? That was an Old Testament law. But I say, right? 
And basically he's saying, turn the other cheek. That the way, the best way is not to follow the old law, an eye for an eye, a tooth for tooth. That was the wrong law. That was, that was not written well. That was misunderstood. That was bad theology. So Jesus comes and says, no, that's not the way, right? Love your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. Go the extra mile, right? This is the way. And so Jesus is changing. He's editing. He's correcting, right? the old scriptures and saying that was wrong this is the right way how could he do that unless he had authority and that gives Jesus authority over all of scripture right if Jesus has all authority he even has authority over scripture and is able to uh, correct it right oh is this a house fire what's going on here oh no it's a garden fire okay scared me There's a lot of smoke coming out of an old house, but it was next to it. It's like they're burning trash or weeds or something. Anyway, so, yeah, uh, that, that's a pretty big, significant thing, right? Uh, that Jesus uh, is okay with correcting Scripture. He doesn't bat an eye because he knows that he is and that he has authority over scripture just as he said he had authority over the sabbath right right that that uh that he was greater than the law in a sense right and that's why he was able to uh choose to not obey the sabbath in the way that the people were obeying it um and this is huge because legalism uh, which I think the Jewish religion largely was, was all about following the letter of the law, right? And they, they, they thought if they followed the letter of the law that that made them uh, clean, that that made them um, put, the, put them in God's good graces and therefore they would become rich or they would stay healthy, they would live a long life, whatever. Um, But Jesus comes and turns all that on his head. And he did it in a major way, but only in front of three people later on. And the good thing is, uh, three of the Gospels, I believe, recorded this. And that is the transfiguration. If you remember, uh, Jesus went to the mountain with uh, John, Peter. uh, John, Peter, and who was the other one? Peter, John, and... the other one it's not Matthew Peter John oh my goodness I can't remember I'm blanking on this Peter Andrew and John maybe Peter James Peter James and John probably Peter James and John that's my guess so he took them with him and they were they were part of his inner circle right they were they were the apostles in the apostles right they were uh, the apostle of apostles I suppose they were always in the inner workings of Christ, they were definitely the the three that he um, put the most effort into. I guess is the best way to say that. So he took them with him to the mountain, and he asked them to to stay and pray. And then he went off. Oh no, it's a different time. That's okay. But he they were there that time, I think, too. Anyway, this is a different time. He went, and then he was transfigured on the mountain, and with him Moses and Elijah. Uh, showed up 
So Jesus, Moses, and Elijah, and I, I guess we'd say the ghosts of Moses and Elijah showed up. And the three of them were there, and Peter said, you know, let us make three, basically three temples, one to each of you here on this mountain. Um, but the voice from heaven said, this is my son, hear him, right? Listen to him. And basically what Jesus was doing there for these three men, and then the three men would tell the rest of us is that Jesus is superior to the law, also known as the scripture, uh, the, the, the law part of scripture, and the prophets, another part of scripture, that Jesus is superior to the Old Testament, if you will. Jesus is superior, right? They defer to him. He is Lord of them. He's not just one in three. Uh, he is the one, and and they uh, worship him, right? <clears throat> and so this is, this is this is a big deal, right? Uh, this visualizes, right? This makes a visual image or a visual picture of exactly what I've been trying to say, that Jesus uh, is, uh, is the authority over and is superior to the law and the prophets. And the law and the prophets are one of the major places, along with the, you know, the historical books, one of the major places where, where God seems to least look like Jesus. Right, the the God in the Old Testament, as found in the Law and the Prophets, very rarely looks like Jesus, and you could not say that he, all in all, looks like Jesus. You know, once in a while, I think Jesus or the Eternal Word or what what have you comes through in the Old Testament, and I think knowing Jesus helps you see Jesus in the Old Testament. I've talked about that before, as Jesus as your lens. Um, but Jesus, who I think John does the best job of this in his gospel, he talks about, you know, Jesus says very often things like, I and the Father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I only do what I see uh, the Father doing. You know, uh, the Father tells me all that he does, right? Only the Son knows the Father, and only the Father knows the Son, right? Um, uh, the Hebrews writer, the writer of Hebrews says, uh, you know, uh, that Jesus was the, the perfect image of the invisible God, or the image of the invisible God, something like this. The perfect image of God. Uh, and so, everything in Scripture must bow to Jesus and if it doesn't if it doesn't work if it doesn't mesh if, if there's a dissonance there between the Old Testament and who we know Jesus to be we must defer to Jesus we don't need to spend all of this time doing these uh, mental acrobatics to make the Old Testament work with Jesus because all we do is we end up making Jesus something he's not 
we make Jesus violent. Uh, we make Jesus uh, selfish and petty. And, and uh, it's another word. Um, jealous, right? Uh, something that the, the Old Testament seems to say that God is. Uh, and Jesus comes along and says, no, look at me. This is who God is. Everything else, uh, everything else that you know about God is wrong if it doesn't look like me. Right? That's, that's the message. And that's what that is, is that's such good news. Right? Wow. I mean, think about how good news, good that news is. That's really good news. That's, that's gospel. Right? Uh, that is really good news that Jesus is as good as we ever wanted him to be. Uh, he's as loving, as caring, as graceful, as kind, as patient as we ever needed him to be. He's everything we ever needed in a God. He may not be what you want in a God. Maybe, maybe you think you are a a good Christian and you want the bad people punished it's very possible it's, in fact it's very human it's, it wouldn't be surprising but Jesus is the one to sit, who said love your enemies pray for those who persecute you right? uh, so if God loves his enemies then God has no enemies does he not from his standpoint you ever thought about that? That the, the very act of loving your enemy makes him cease to be an enemy? The very act of loving your enemy makes him a friend, right? What better mission could there be in the world than to make all of your enemies friends? But instead, what we want to do is make our, all of our enemies follow some kind of uh, rigid, rigid set of rules and rituals, and to meet some some you know rigid standard of conduct. Yeah. So I think the the code, right? Um, code's not the word I was looking for. Uh, but sure, sure, I think it's a code, I guess. Uh, the secret code of the Bible, let's say that, because I don't think many people know this, is that Jesus is the truth. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, Jesus is true scripture. He is the eternal word. Uh, he is the eternal revelation of God. He's the final and eternal revelation of God, which continues to be revealed in his church, in his body, I think. Um, and I use the word church loosely. I think a lot of people are in the church that don't even know they're in the church because they uh, somehow instinctively know Christ. Um, and therefore, let's, you know, let's accept his authority. Let's just let's just accept it. And if you don't know it, you can you can uh, do several things. And one one thing you can do is always defer to selflessness, right? Always do what's best for the other. 
if you just do that, if you always do what's best for the other, for, for someone besides yourself, uh, you're going to be very, very close, uh, if not complete, you know, completely there, uh, to understanding Christ, to following the Word, to fulfilling Scripture. Just love one another. That's it. Love one another as Jesus loved us. And we know that Jesus didn't withhold anything from us, uh, even his life, right? Even a death of pain uh, he endured for us. And so how can we do any less if we're called to do that? So yeah, I, I think any of the dissonances, any of the the things that don't uh, mesh up between the Old Testament and who Jesus is, and even the New Testament and who Jesus is, I think Paul also has to go through this filter, right? Even Paul has to has to bow to Jesus. The prophets bow to Jesus. The law bows to Jesus. Uh, every every man-made law, every you know everything eventually will bow to Jesus, right? Every, every knee shall bow. Um, so how can, you know, how can we be any different? So as we read the Old Testament, we need to see where, uh, where the Old Testament fits with who Jesus is and perhaps where it doesn't, right? And then we need to say, okay, maybe I don't understand why that is, but you know what? I'm going to defer to Jesus, Jesus is my standard. Jesus, Jesus, uh, I'm going to give Jesus all the authority. And perhaps if we do that, uh, we will finally understand true theology. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I convinced you. I'm not sure. Uh, if you're convinced by a, a, you know, a little uh, thrown-together podcast, I'd be surprised. Uh, you know, but maybe it could be the straw that uh, broke the camel's back in a good way. Uh, maybe the, the single straw that relieved the camel's burden. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I think the cup's half full, I suppose. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I, I, I hope that you can look at the story of the Transfiguration. Uh, read it in the, th- in the three Gospels who recorded it. Uh, and, and maybe you'll see something of what I'm talking about. Maybe you'll see it in a different light. <clears throat> uh, as well as Jesus' uh, correction of Scripture. All right. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate you guys who are listening. Um, just so you know, I finally uh, surpassed 10,000, no, 20,000, 20,000 plays in the last six years. Uh, doesn't seem like a lot, but for the way it started out, it's a lot. I'm still not convinced that that's actually 20,000 plays, that, that some of those were not done by bots of some kind. I didn't sign up for anything like that, but I know people do that. I've since researched it, but... Uh, I don't know. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye.